Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, House Bill 728 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop House Bill 728. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. We've had a string of incredible shows here on on, uh, on Coast View, and I really appreciate you paying attention I have uh, really enjoyed bringing this show to you as we're in the holidays, and it's cold outside. Lord, is it cold outside. Three or four days of just incredible cold weather. We did a full court press at my house to save palm trees. I pray that it works, and we shall see. We shall see. But, man, when you're in the 20s, that's a, that's a tough situation. That That is for sure. Well, listen, it is Friday. It's getting toward the end of the year. I have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune, one of the top Uh, Certainly the top reporters, sports reporters in the state of Louisiana, certainly in this region, maybe even, uh, who we have the opportunity to visit with every Friday. So I just want to bring him on into the conversation and say good morning to my friend. How you doing, Jeff? Morning, Ricky. I'm doing great. Very festive time right now. I know we're bracing for some Arctic conditions, but I I have to tell you this. Normally I'd be upset that I'm not going to a Saints game because I like to travel and cover these games. But this is one I'm not too upset about getting <laughs> missing with the uh, Arctic conditions we're expecting in Cleveland. I, I won't miss being in, in Cleveland for Christmas Eve. It's interesting. You probably know the stats on this, but if my, if my memory serves me correctly, the Saints have, have not played poorly in those kind of conditions in the past, have they? No, I've covered a lot of games like that. I mean, I, the one that sticks out, your listeners probably remember, I think it was 2000. 13 they went to philadelphia and played in the playoffs and i remember it was a big storyline going up to that game because it was really single digits the night before freezing cold and and the saints won that game and a lot of people thought they would be at a big disadvantage playing philly and the saints won it and that was i remember uh, sean payton was very cocky about that afterwards <laughs> with all of us talking about how they may they may struggle in that game uh, so, yes, they, they played well, and I think more than anything this weekend, and we can talk about this in greater detail, but more than the cold, and look, that's going to be significant. It's going to be below zero wind chill. It's the wind. They're talking about 30, 40-mile-an-hour winds. That is a real issue if you're trying to pass or kick field goals, punt, everything. It's going to be a factor. Well, look, um, what are the, what's his nickname? What's our quarterback's nickname? What what I'm trying to remember. Red, red rifle. Yeah, the red rifle. Hey, I saw that his his quarterback rating is actually in the top five in the NFL right now. Yeah, no, he's graded very high. Uh, you know, he's been very efficient. He's really turned turned it around as far as uh, turnovers. So he's his that'll always get a high quarterback rating when you avoid interceptions and he's managed to do that uh very well and that's what the saints need because they they lack explosiveness on offense yeah Rashid shaheed has added an element of that but overall they're not a quick strike offense okay look here's my bold prediction saints are going to make the playoffs whoa 
That is bold. You got like a they're going to win out right now, Ricky. They're going to win out in San Francisco. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Tampa. I got San Francisco in the mind. We're going to talk about that in a minute because what a great story that is. We'll, we'll come back to that. But Tampa Bay is going to melt down and Atlanta is going to melt down. Saints are going to Saints are going to surprise us. That's what I think. Wow. You, you need to go to the casino and fill uh, <laughs> in that bowl. Uh, here's what I would say. I don't think it's as far-fetched as the numbers dictate because I think circumstances might help the Saints. And the big circumstance is that Eagles game. Uh, you know, that that to me is the linchpin because if the Saints lose that game, it, they're I mean, they lose any game, they're in trouble. They have to win out. But that Eagles game is not as daunting if the Eagles can win this week in Dallas because then they clinch the number one seed in the playoffs. They clinch home field advantage. They will have nothing really to play for in that Saints game. It's a meaningless game. They can rest. Anybody with a a remote injury is not going to play against the Saints. So all of a sudden, that game becomes winnable. It looks like a a sure loss. Now it's a very winnable game if that happens. Now, all bets are off. If the Eagles lose to Dallas this week, and that could happen, they're playing in Dallas, they're going to need to win. And so I think it'd be very difficult. I'll really be shocked if the Saints can go into Philly, who right now has one loss on the year, and win that game. So what's the latest on Jalen Hurts um, in his shoulder? Well, that's going to be a, you know, a game-time decision in Dallas. Uh, I think they'll rest him against Dallas and play Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is a solid backup quarterback. I don't think they're going to drop off a ton. He doesn't have the running ability, but he can run that offense. He's won games there. Uh, This is a good, well-rounded, complete Eagles team. Now, I think they're going to be up against it in Dallas. I think the Cowboys are close to a six-point favorite, and the Eagles are, what, are they 13-1 and right now, 14-1? and So it speaks to how, how Dallas, the strength of Dallas. Dallas is coming off of a tough loss. Uh, overtime loss in Jacksonville. They're going to be all in on this game. Uh, mm-hmm. They've already lost to Philly. So if I'm the Eagles, I would almost take the NBA approach to some of these games where let's just get healthy, not worry about beating Dallas because we don't really have to get healthy and then come back and beat the New Orleans at home and wrap up all this thing. So that's why I think it's going to be difficult for the Saints to win out because I don't, one, think the Eagles are going to win this week, and two, I think they're going to have Hurts healthy and back for their game in two weeks. Saints are going to make the playoff. I'm sticking with it. They do. <laughs> we, Kyle, we need to run back all this. For hey, look, this so is the thing. I, I, I'm a, I'm a true can, uh, Saints fan. I'm standing it. with them. Yeah, there you go, Kyle. But you know, look, defense is playing good right now. I know that you know the the uh, the injury to. To Ruaz is unfortunate. We'll, we'll we'll kind of update people on the on the injury situation here shortly. But he, listen, the one thing that 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 if, if while Philadelphia is sort of in front of us for a second, I've always been a Jalen Hurts fan. You know, when he was at Alabama, I thought he you know he was a winner. Uh, I, th- I thought he handled the Tua situation unbelievably well. What a sportsman he is! And then of course he goes to Oklahoma and plays great ball, gets into the league. And man, he's just matured. His decision making, his ability to to win. Um, you know, still this big question mark out there. You see it with the shoulder injury, but you know, it, it, as long as running is part of his repertoire, will he fall? You know, in the wake of people like Michael Vick, you know, and just not have any longevity in the in the in the um, 
in the in the league. But boy, he's played well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's he's worked at it. He's developed as he's gotten into the league. He's the son of a coach, and uh, he has a great attitude. I mean, I don't think anybody doesn't like and respect Jalen Hurts. And look, they I have to give Nick Sirianni credit. I mean, he was kind of on the ropes there about two years ago, and he has really uh, developed that team. They're they're solid in every facet. There are really no weak spots on the Eagles. So they're going to be a tough out. And um, Jalen Hurts is hard to root against a guy like that. But I would say this. I mean, if you look around the league, Ricky, it just shows how difficult it is to be a running quarterback in this league. They're, almost every mobile quarterback uh, is hurt right now. Lamar Jackson's hurt. He's banged up. Jalen Hurts. Uh, Kyler Murray's out. I mean, it's, it's difficult. Yeah to make a living doing that in this league because the guys are so big and the game's so violent. Yeah, there's, oh man. You know, I, I remember watching Josh Allen play and he's a force just when he's in the pocket, but he's a force when he runs, but you, you know, he's such a big guy and you just, and you watch him get hit and he puts his shoulder down often. Yep. Most of these guys do now they, they try to save their bodies, but if they need one more yard to get the first down, it's amazing the way they're putting themselves out there. I mean, you just you just know that injuries around the corner. Yeah, I look at a guy like uh, Taysom Hill. I mean, Taysom's built basically like a linebacker. Uh, you know, he's a big, thick, muscular guy, and he's banged up. You know, and this time of year, uh, you're going to take so many blows, you're going to be banged up, and um, that's just how it goes. The league is is merciless on players' bodies especially late, mid mid to late December. So, uh, you know, I think the best thing for the Eagles right now is they're trying to win a Super Bowl. So they need to manage to have their roster intact and healthy for the playoffs. And I know talking to Sean Payton over the years, that was his number one priority at this time of year was getting ready for the postseason. So there's a chance that if Nick Sirianni manages this the right way, the Saints could catch them at a time when they don't need to win. I think this game is very winnable this week. So I agree with you there. It's going to be a low-scoring game, I expect. Uh, two teams very similar, defensive kind of minded, like to run the ball. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson is not uh, the Deshaun Watson we saw in Houston right now. He looks like a quarterback that's hadn't played in two years. So I think it's a winnable game. But then you got to get past that Eagles game in, in the next week. That's going to be the tough one. It's been great this year, though, to watch some of these young guys emerge on the Saints team. I hate that we had such a tough season because there's some winners on this team. There, there's some kids that have really come on strong and helped contribute toward sort of getting us back on track to some extent. If you know, if, if the current situation you could actually even say is back on track. When we come back on the other side, we'll just kind of talk about this frustrating season. We'll uh, we'll talk about the injury situation. You know what's to come, and then we'll actually shift gears at some point during this conversation and talk about the Pelicans and what they're up to. So we'll be back in just a minute with my friend Jeff Duncan. See you after this. or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgolfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We're visiting with my friend Jeff Duncan from the NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune, which we get the opportunity to do every single Friday. Um, you know, we've as I mentioned, we've had some amazing young players that have emerged on this team. I mean, really good stars. Some that we weren't sure if they were going to emerge have. So others that we expected to didn't. But, you know, when you think about uh, tight end play, you think about wide receiver plays. You know, Alave, what he's doing this year is just incredible. But, you know, Johnson's having a good year. It's good to see that, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really good lesson, I think, for everybody, fans, media that you, you got to be patient sometimes with players. I mean, we're all in this microwave society and we want instant gratification, instant results. And you see a player like Cesar Ruiz, who's really come on in his third season and has been a very solid player all year long. Uh, Cade Nellis, you know, a former seventh round pick that a lot of people probably weren't counting on to be much of a factor. He steps up into a, a more prominent role and really thrives uh, you, you know, go down the list, uh, Rashid Shaheed, young receiver, was not drafted. And because of necessity, some injuries at the wide receiver position, gets an opportunity, takes advantage of it. Now he's certainly going to factor in the Saints' future plans. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, Pete Werner. He, he might have been a Pro Bowl player if he had not got injured. Uh, and then obviously Chris Olave, who's going to be a real contender for the Offensive Rookie of the Year Award. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to be encouraged about the future of the Saints because some of these young players have stepped up when the opportunity's presented itself. Yeah, Juwan Johnson, what he's done. Yep, great one. Another yeah. another guy made a transition from wide receiver. You know, he was a, a top high school recruit, went to Penn State, uh, did not work out there, transferred to Oregon, didn't get drafted. Uh, you know, and he's kept working. They made the transition to tight end. He's really blossomed at tight end. And he, I, I like the Saints tight end position now. Adam Troutman's a very solid player. Obviously, Taysom Hill fits into that room. Uh, so tight end, you got to really feel like that's a position you don't even really need to address in the offseason. Well, man, you know, that, that play job. between – yeah, that play between uh, – um, 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 Taysom and Shahid, man, that's that's what the Saints need to do more. I loved that play. Well, think about it this way, Ricky. Taysom Hill, undrafted. Shahid, Rashid Shahid, undrafted. And then you're talking about Jawan Johnson, undrafted. So it just shows you how many good players there are in that undrafted pool every year. you got to really work to get those guys in the building because they can end up being contributors there. And the thing I like about most of those guys is they tend to have a chip on their shoulders. They keep working once they get to the league because they feel like they were slighted by not being drafted. Shahid, is he that fast? Yeah, his whole family's uh, track athletes. You know, he's more of, was more of a track athlete than he was a football player. And you can see it uh, in the field. The thing that makes him different, though, it's not just the speed. It's that he maintains his speed in a transition that's hard to do in other words he can run and cut and and it, he doesn't decelerate on the cut that's what what really separates a lot of receivers at the nfl level can they maintain their speed while transitioning on their cut he does that it's a rare quality and it's why he's able to get such separation from the db 
And look, that was a that you're right. That play is a perfect example of what Sean Payton used to always talk about with Taysom Hill, why he really wanted to give him a shot as a starting quarterback, because defenses have to play the run when he's in the game. They're concerned about him running the ball, and it leaves the passing game often wide open downfield. We saw it in that play. Yeah, you've you've seen, you know, I would say teams the last two or three weeks have more effectively stopped Taysom Hill. He wasn't running wild like he was at the beginning of the season. But as you just pointed out, when that happens, it just opens up something's something's gonna probably open up downfield. And they they found a way to sort of take advantage of that. But it's you know, as a as a just a fan, it's fun to watch it. It's fun to watch. First of all, that's that particular pass, incidentally, it might have been a little short. You know, Shahid had to kind of stop a little bit to catch it, but he was so far on the other side it didn't really matter. But it was such a tight, beautiful, long pass. I mean, it was just a beautiful spiral. Yeah, and he got and Shahid got that separation and put that safety on an island and he he was overwhelmed by it. And and a play like that you know, I've talked to Drew Brees about it in the past. I mean, I know a lot of people try to focus on how perfect the pass is and everything. Drew will tell you, just get it out there. You know, the key is getting it out there, getting it into open green space and let the receiver adjust, get to the ball, because you're just trying to get the explosive yardage. That's the most important thing, getting it out there. You know, don't worry about trying to make the perfect pass and lead him perfectly. Uh, you know, that's going to happen once every 50 times. You're better off just getting the 40, 50-yard chunk. And I thought that's what Hill did there. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Alvin Kamara has not had a great year this year. He's he seemed to a little bit be back on his game recently. What's your take on his year? Well, he hasn't had a lot of room to run. I mean, you know, just teams are focused on him. That's pretty clear. They understand that's the Saints' best go-to weapon. And I thought Pete Carmichael last week, and this was something I think he got challenged by Dennis Dennis Allen during the bye week. I thought he was more creative trying to get him the ball in space. They used him on a jet sweep on one play. We hadn't seen that all year long. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, having him out wide as a receiver, throwing screen passes. They're doing everything they can to get him going because he is such a dynamic weapon. But teams are focused on him, and teams don't really truly fear the Saints passing game. Now, Shahid has kind of added an element there that it makes teams, I think, have to at least start considering the deep ball. But even with Chris Olave, that's not his strength is the deep ball. He's more of an intermediate zone uh, passing uh, weapon. So teams gang the line of scrimmage against the Saints. It's hard to run when teams know you're trying to run, and, and that's what I've seen with Alvin Kamara. Alave, we talked a couple of weeks ago, had a had a drop pass. It was the first drop pass the season. Is he has he only still just had one drop pass this year? Well, it just depends on the grading system. You know, every, that, that's a real arbitrary uh, statistic. I've seen different numbers on him as drops because it depends on do you consider that a drop or a great play by the DB. So uh, one grading system has him with one drop. I've seen one with like five. So really just depends on how you grade it. But look, he's got a hamstring injury right now. We didn't see it in the game, but he didn't practice uh, this week. And so that is a concern. If he's not available uh, and Jarvis Landry also missed practice Wednesday with the ankle injury, which he's had trouble with all year, suddenly you're getting really thin at receiver. Now, I don't know how big a factor that's going to be in this game because, like I said earlier, I don't know how much passing teams are going to do with this wind and this cold condition. It might just be a, a survival of wills 
in, in the running game. Uh, but the Saints could go into this game missing a couple of their key receivers. For people who missed it, uh, Cesar, we mentioned it just a little bit at the beginning, but Ruiz is out for the season with a Liz Frank injury, just the same kind of injury that Taysom Hill had last year. But uh, as you and I were talking about before the before the show started, that's a tough that's a tough injury for an offensive lineman, isn't it? Yeah, because the pressure and the leverage you use in your lower body, especially your feet, your ankles, a lot of pressure there, and that's how that happens. A lot of times, you see it happen to a lot of offensive linemen, that injury. And uh, look, they made a lot of advancements in how they treat it. And we saw how quick Taysom Hill came back from. That's because there's been a lot of uh, progress in how to treat this injury. I can remember my first year covering the NFL, Eddie George got that injury uh, way back in the late 90s. And um, it took him a a year, good year and a half to come back. Now you can get back much quicker. Uh, But it is a, is a, a blow because Ruiz was playing very well uh, in his third season. Uh, but they, the Saints have depth there. And what I'm interested to see is will they perhaps, do we get to see the, the deb- debut of Trevor Penning at left tackle? Could they slide James Hurst over to Ruiz's position at right guard? Hurst started at guard earlier in his career when he played in Baltimore. So he's got experience there. Uh, or do they just stick Calvin Throckmorton in there, uh, the, the veteran backup who, who's used to playing that position. That'll be an interesting decision for Dennis Allen. Uh, Liz Frank injury for people who don't know is literally uh, the ligaments in your feet and at the bottom of your feet. And for people who've had plantar fasciitis, it's uh, generally that area. And I'm a, I'm a former big time runner. I still run, but I well, like when I was in New Orleans, I was running almost every day. And uh, I had a case of plantar fasciitis. I could not get rid of and uh, I can't, John Hope, for a matter of fact, he, he turned me on to a reporter at the Times Picayune, turned me on to a doctor at Tulane Sports Medicine, and I went to see him. And he gave me great advice on how to deal with it without having to do injections and all that other stuff. Right. And it worked. It worked really well. Yeah, but painful, I had to stretch like injury. crazy. Do what now? Painful injury. Oh, I hated it, man. It just well, I learned I wasn't doing I wasn't doing support properly. I had to change the way I did support in my feet with all shoes, never barefooted. You know what I mean? Stretching. It's as much about your calf and stretching your calf as, as it is the bottom of your foot. But yep. I had to kind of go on a new mission, and and honestly, I have not had any trouble since. But it was about a nine month deal, man. Nine months of painful whatever. So I can't even imagine tearing those those ligaments loose and having to have them surgically repaired. I mean, my goodness, that's a that's a serious deal. When we come back with Jeff Duncan, we'll continue the conversation. We'll drill down a little bit more on on the injury report to see to what extent it's going to impact us the rest of the season. We'll see you after this. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. Hope you're not freezing to death. Uh, we have Jeff Duncan with us today from NOLA.com and the Times Union. As I've urged you to do before, if you're a Saints fan and you haven't signed up for the NOLA.com Saints newsletter, I really encourage you to go do that because you get a daily newsletter. This reporting staff is unprecedented in terms of what they, the kind of resources they have chasing the Saints and the Pelicans for that matter. And uh, they do such a great job. And Jeff is a columnist with incredible um, sources, and, and his insights are pretty awesome. In fact, last week we talked about a column he wrote a week ago about it wasn't necessarily that Dennis Allen was bad for the Saints, but it's just that the possibility that Sean Payton could be in play again. And since Jeff wrote the book on Sean Payton, he wrote a column about it, and he got a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, uh, probably some tension from the Saints organization. But anything else come from that, Jeff? No, not at all. I mean, I think people understood where it was coming from, and uh, you're exactly right. I don't have – it's not an indictment of Dennis Allen at all. I think, uh, in my opinion, if the Saints – we're going to move on from Dennis Allen. The only reason you would do it, the only uh, possibility would be, you know, you can get Sean Payton back, and that's it. If, yeah. if if that's if he's willing to come back and you can get him in the building, I say you do it because he's a Hall of Fame coach, generational leader. He knows everything in the building. It'd be an easy transition. He's already he's still under contract. That's a unique circumstance. That if you want to if you want to try and bring him back. He's recharged his batteries. He's excited to get back into coaching. I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. Otherwise, stick with with the guy you hired. Give him some support. You're getting ready to have a big, probably off season of transition, and uh, you roll up your sleeves and go to work. So that's kind of what was my my thought process with that. You know, in this in this here, you know, we talked about this to some extent last week, but in this win now league. Although San Francisco, man, what a great story Purdy is. And I, we'll come back to that in just a second because I, I really want to get your thoughts about that. But in this win-now league and, and and the reality around Sean Payton requiring his quarterback to have a Ph.D. in offense and the fact that he likes California, he probably looks at San Diego and Herbert and says, wow, that's a that'd be a – pretty cool young man to have the opportunity to develop but do that what kind of ownership system do they have in san diego uh well it's not good i mean the yeah the, the spanoses are i guess around the league re- regarded as one of the worst ownership that's why they're in la now they couldn't make it work in san diego yeah so they're, they're kind of like the jv team in los angeles to the rams they're using the ram stadium that stan Kroenke built it's just not a great situation now. They've got a good team. I don't think that job. I'll be surprised if that job opens. I mean, they're they're right now in the playoffs. They've got a very easy schedule the rest of the way. They got a little bit of a dicey game this week. They play at the Colts on Monday night. Uh, that could be a little dicey. Colts have made a quarterback change. They benched Matt Ryan again, uh, so they will be inspired. Uh, and but they can even lose that game. They finished the last two, I think, with the Broncos and the Cardinals. I mean. Yeah, Those two of the worst teams in the league. So, and you could argue the Colts are too. So, I think the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. I think it'll be hard for them to to uh, move on from Brandon Staley in that situation. I think the the actually the more likely opening in L.A. would be the Rams because I wouldn't be surprised if Sean McVay yeah. walked away. There was rumors of that last year, and that would be a very attractive job uh, for Sean Payton. He's already in L.A. Uh, you've got. 
maybe the richest owner in the league in Stan Kroenke. Uh, so you could get good real quick there, even though they've got a little bit of a mess with their salary cap. And I, I think people have done too much analysis or over-analysis of Sean Payton, Ricky. They're, they're, they're looking right now, the here and now, they're looking at who's the quarterback and what the salary cap is. Sean Payton's going to make this decision on the big picture. It's going to be well beyond the 2023 season that he looks at, and he's a confident guy. He, He'll figure out how to get a quarterback in there. He'll figure out how to work on a salary cap. He's going to go somewhere where there's functional ownership, where he has a chance to win a Super Bowl, and the Rams would be one of those places. So I think. Well, you and I to, talked about clickbait. Yeah, well, people just need to quit looking at who the quarterback <laughs> is right now. I mean, that's not that's a that's yeah. certainly a factor, but it's not. It's well down the priority list for him. One of one of the stories I saw uh, again, clickbait. We, you know, again, this is social media clickbait. Is that don't be surprised to see um, Brady and Sean Payton together at some team somewhere. But you know, Brady's too much of a prima donna. I don't I don't see him being being a good fit with Sean Payton. Well, we'll see. I mean, look, the thing that I think makes that a possibility is Don Yee is both of their agents. So oh, he's, really? He's yeah, agent I forgot Brady about that. That's and right. Payton. And yeah. I think everybody knows this. I mean, I know I've reported it in the past. In 2020, when, when Tom Brady was leaving the Patriots, and of course was a free agent, uh, ended up going to Tampa Bay, uh, that was also the same offseason that Drew Brees was trying to decide if he was going to retire or not. He told Sean Payton, he was going to retire, and Sean told him to think about it for two weeks. And during that two-week period, he had to start thinking about who's going to be my quarterback, and Tom Brady was going to be the guy. He was coming mm-hmm. to New Orleans. And then mm-hmm. Drew Brees changed his mind, decided to play one more year. Brady goes to Tampa. Brees plays one more season. Of course, they get beat by Brady and the Bucks. Yeah. But it was going to happen here. So I don't think, yeah. I don't think it's far-fetched at all. Hey, listen. Um, again, one 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 observation about Drew Brees. When I and I'm, I'm going to this, is, I'm going to use this as a transition. But one one of the interesting things about being around Drew Brees is that I was amazed at how seemingly small he is. I don't know what they had, you know, over six foot or maybe six foot, but he was this kind of a small guy. It, it, when you're around him, did you find him to be? Uh, Drew, Drew's definitely six. He's over six foot. I think people think he's under six foot, but yeah. I mean, he measured at the combine barefoot. I think six and six foot and one quarter inch. So yeah, barefoot. He's but I mean, he's he, he used to be a lot more yoked, if you will, than he was like in his later years. And and that's what happens with a lot of these players once they get out of the league, they go one way or the other. They because they're, they're so used to having their bodies prepared for games and a season. They either gain a ton of weight and get bigger, or they lose a lot of weight. And he's a guy that went the other way and has lost weight since he retired. Yeah. Um, the Purdy story in San Francisco, what a fun story that is. This seeming underdog, you know, this this kid that's is talking about small. This kid is small. It's incredible what he's doing there. Yeah, well, I think that's also a testament to great coaching, Kyle Shanahan, uh, look, he stepped into a good situation. They've got great players around him, uh, great weapons, and he's just getting the ball into those guys' hands 
and letting them do the rest. He's very, very smart. I think sometimes people underestimate these guys like Brock Purdy. He's been a winner all of his life. He's a winner. He's a very high-level winner at high school. Then he went to Iowa State, took them to new heights. I love guys like that. That's basically what Drew Brees was. He won at, at a high level in Texas high school football. He took Purdue to the Rose Bowl. They haven't been back since. And 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 now then he won at the NFL level. I look for that quality in quarterbacks, and I think he got overlooked. And look, this is the basically Brock Purdy's the third string quarterback, the third quarterback the 49ers have. So we all tend to look at the teams we cover or, or root for, and and tend to think, oh, woe is me. The Saints have had all these injuries. Well, here's a good example: the 49ers are on their third quarterback, and they're still winning. It's not. It's not really unbelievable. What, what's it? You're right about this, like supporting cast, which is incredible for sure. But Brody, I mean, Purdy's decision making, you know, his confidence on the field when he's interviewed is so not about him. There doesn't seem to be an ego with that kid. He's very much about the team. He's God. He's so grounded. At least he seems to be. I've I've read a lot about him just because I'm fascinated with him. They may become America America's team this year if he keeps on playing the way he's playing. Well, there's been a lot of people made the comparison. Now, this is kind of lofty, but I think they're making the comparison because of circumstances to Tom Brady. Because if you remember, yeah. Tom Brady was not the starter in 2001. That was Drew Bledsoe. He got hurt and thrust this young rookie, uh, Tom Brady, into the lineup, and he ends up winning the Super Bowl, and, and the rest is history. And so you end up with a guy like uh, Purdy, who really wasn't expecting to be the guy, and Sometimes that works to your advantage where you haven't had time to even think about the big picture. You're just immediately on the treadmill and trying to keep up. And uh, he, and I agree with you 100%, Ricky. The guy's got innate confidence, and that is a sign of a very strong leader. And his teammates have already talked about that with him. They said he stepped in the huddle right away and was acting like Peyton Manning. And that's what you want in a quarterback. All eyes are on you in that huddle. Which says a lot about his preparation. You know, you know, the, he was he was not just sitting back as sort of a backup quarterback, paying sort of attention. He was playing big time attention, getting ready for the for the moment that he might have to go in there. But what this means now is that San Francisco next year, all three quarterbacks are healthy. One or, one of those guys probably is going to hit the market. You know, this this is likely that that's going to happen. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jeff Duncan. Live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View as we visit with my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picking In. Jeff, we'll switch gears and talk a little bit about the Pelicans, but before we do that, what do you do on Christmas? What's Christmas to you? Well, I mean, lots of times I'm actually in another city at a game. You know, the, the, the NFL season's always going on during Christmas. Normally, if I didn't get out of covering this game, I'd be flying back from Cleveland on Christmas Day. So it, 
usually don't have a lot of big plans. I'm going to be this year in New Orleans, so a bunch of my friends were all getting together and cooking and going to have a good time, watch some, some sports and get together. But for the most part, it's uh, it's pretty lonely existence because of uh, travel or because I'm writing a game story or whatever. I've, I've spent many a Christmas in an airport or in a stadium. Well, well, well. So, look, the, the Pelicans were sort of on a roll. Then they had a four-game losing streak. I don't know what I don't know how to what extent that that's troublesome or or just just bad luck. And then of course you've got uh, Zion Williamson. This looks like he's going to miss maybe four games. Is that is that what I'm hearing? And then of course Brandon Ingram's got a bruised toe. He's going to be out for a little bit. What's your take on where the the team is right now? Well, you know they hit definitely hit a little roadblock here the last few weeks. Lost four in a row. Uh, I think a little bit of a comeuppance for them. They kind of got their head in the clouds after getting to the number one seed in the West and a little wake-up call. They went out to Utah, got swept, and lost to Phoenix, a game they were winning about 24 points in the second half, squandered that lead, and then come back home and kind of get drubbed. They were really never, uh, I think, going to win that game against Milwaukee. So I think it's been a little bit of a good good wake-up call for them to see what it's going to take to be among the elite teams in the league. When they when they come home needing a win against the Milwaukee team, uh, and, they, and they're one of the elite teams in the league, and they really never really got, got control of that game, it lets you know how far you've got to go to be one of these elite teams. And I think they've got to get Brandon Ingram back. I don't know what's going on with that, Ricky. I mean, he's missed 11 games with a, a, you know, a, a sprained toe. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be old school here, but at some point we have to start – calling it like it is. I mean, Brandon Ingram missed 27 games last year with a variety of injuries. It's already been shelved a lot this year. At some point, he's got to learn how to play through some of these these bumps and bruises if the Pelicans are going to end up being the team we all want them to be. You know what's interesting, and you can go back on any of these recent games, and before they went into this four-game losing streak, they were hot. This team was hot. They were pumped. You and I talked about it. You could see the winning. You could feel it. The attitude was right. And, you know, Zion's having some was having some incredible games. I mean, the highlight reels for Zion are just awesome. But then you get to a game with like the Phoenix Suns and you get you have someone like Devin Booker, Coastal Mississippi's get Devin Booker, I might add who scores 58 points in one game and it reminds you as good as you think you are. There's some really good players in this league. Yeah, and look, that that's a good example, though, of where this team needs to grow because if you noticed on that road trip and even in the Milwaukee game, one player went off against them in each game. Jordan Clarkson for Utah, I think he had like 38. That cannot happen. I mean, you've got to throw – and this kind of falls on Willie Green and the coaching staff. I mean, they got to get the ball out of that guy's hands – Devin Booker cannot score 58 on you. You've got to force somebody else to beat you. And this is part of the growing and maturation process that I think the Pelicans, not just the players, but also the coaching staff have to make uh, because that simply can't happen. Their defense right now is what's holding them back. If you look at the scores, they're giving up over 120 a game in this four-game losing streak. You're not going to beat anybody giving up 120 points a game. So that's, to me, where the improvement needs to start. But it's interesting. Uh, I, I, again, I'm not an NBA. I'm not a big NBA fan. 
I pay a lot more attention these days because of the Pelicans, because as I've said to you, they're, they're a fun team to watch. They've struggled. They're in a small market. Um, they were able to sign Zion and I'm pulling for them because they're kind of an underdog in a, in a, in a league with lots of big time competition. So it's fun to, fun to pay attention to them. But it seemed to me that in the beginning of the season and certainly toward the end of last season, one of their clarion calls was that they were playing extremely aggressive defense. I mean, they were pressing. and they, So have they come off of that? Is that how someone can score 58 points on them? What's, go, what's going on on the well, defensive they, side? They, they were missing a few key guys in some of these games. I mean, Herb Jones missed a game. Larry Nance Jr., their backup center, who's an excellent defender, has been out of the lineup. And then Jose Alvarado was out of the lineup for at least one of those games I know in Utah. Uh, he's obviously one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. So you miss those key individual parts. Uh, you're going to obviously, uh, you know, struggle defensively. But I think more than anything, they've got to have a better defensive concept uh, overall from the coaching staff. I mean, a good example would have been the Milwaukee game. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's obviously a former MVP in the league, he's basically a bigger, lankier version of Zion. Most of his baskets come going to the basket, going to the hoop. So teams have defended him by putting up a wall of defenders so he can't drive. And you see a lot of teams do that to Zion to prevent him from getting to the rim. Well, the Pelicans never did that. And Tim Kupo just had a field day against them. Uh, they've got to they've got to get better in that area. It's going to be fun to watch. Listen, man, I really appreciate you joining us. Have a have a great Christmas, a happy New Year. We'll see you after the New Year, but it's been uh, it's been a pleasure to visit with you, my friend. Yeah, happy holidays, Ricky. Happy holidays to everyone out there listening, watching. We'll see you on the other side of the holidays. Look forward to it. Merry Christmas and happy New Year. We'll see you next week. See ya. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.